Community Church in Ligonier, Pennsylvania. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. You know, since the warnings and the shutdowns came around about this novel coronavirus that we are all experiencing that's changed all of our lives, I got to tell you, among the many things that I'm feeling today is um, exposed, uh, outed. Uh, we clergy today up front, you see, we're not all that special because we too had our vacations planned. We had our Easter services coming together. And uh, St. James, James the Apostle, the guy who wrote the book of James uh, in the New Testament, he had hard words for people like me, uh, people who like to plan things. He said, you do not know what tomorrow will bring, for what is your life? For you are a mist that appears a little time and then vanishes. The fact that we have gathered here in our vehicles and on the live stream this morning, the fact that you're hearing my voice broadcast through an AM radio signal, that you're wearing seatbelts instead of sitting in church pews, is a testament to just how right James was. None of us last month knew what tomorrow would bring. And perhaps the scariest thing of all the things we could talk about this morning, the thing that would produce the most fear in us, would be to talk about tomorrow. Will I get sick tomorrow? Will a loved one get sick tomorrow? Will I have a job tomorrow? Will my unemployment be approved tomorrow? We do not know what tomorrow will bring. So my first piece of pastoral advice to you today is whatever you do this afternoon, do not go home and watch the 1982 film adaption of the Broadway musical Annie, the one with Carol Burnett as Miss um, Hannigan. Skip it. Why? Because the ever, ever chipper orphan Annie, effervescent full of a verve for life, invites you to bet your bottom dollar that the sun will come out tomorrow. And I think James's uh, writing in his letter uh, is a rebuke to that way of thinking. It describes our situation better. Do not bet your bottom dollar that the sun will come out tomorrow, for you do not know what tomorrow will bring. In our reading from John's gospel that we heard just now, we find a group of 11 terrified Jewish religious apprentices and they have done the thing that everyone seems to be doing these days when things get tough. They have self-quarantined. They have come together out of fear. Things couldn't have gone worse two days prior for their mentor, their rabbi. He had claimed to bear this title that he was God's official world saver, that God had picked him and was going to use him specifically to save the world. And yet two days earlier, he was arrested he was falsely accused, he was tortured, and he was brutally executed. These disciples are understandably afraid. You see, because if they go outside and they are spotted, who's to say the same thing won't happen to them? Maybe they could be thrown in prison. Maybe they could be tortured. Maybe they could be crucified just like their mentor was. Perhaps most of all, they are crushed by guilt and shame. Because in a moment when their teacher needed some people to stand up and fight the false accusations, in a moment where some people to say, hold on a minute now, this is going the wrong way, in that moment, none of them were there to help. 
None of them showed up as witnesses on their rabbi's behalf. None of them were there to combat the false accusations. They weren't there when the sentence and the verdict were rendered. Some of them went so far as to say, oh yeah, that guy, we don't even know him. Who is he? These 12, 11 in this room, in this apartment, are not expecting the sun to come out if it ever comes out again. Their plans continue on and their plans to support their rabbi's ministry have fallen apart. Their lives have ground to a halt. And maybe you can relate to that. Maybe you can relate to the disciples. Your future plans, no matter who you are, they've all ground to a halt. Our high school students locally, it seems, it looks as if that those rites of passage of graduation and prom are indefinitely postponed, probably canceled. Our plans to see our grandchildren who live in other communities or other states indefinitely postponed. Your cruises have been canceled. Your flights have been canceled. Uh, despite the tremendously low gas prices we probably won't see again for some time, your road trips have been canceled. And as much as you wish you could make some plans for the future for your next adventure, we do not know what tomorrow will bring. Maybe you can relate to the disciples because of your fear. Maybe you're afraid to go out of your self-quarantine because you might catch the virus and get sick or worse, die. Maybe you're afraid to go out of your self-quarantine because you might have the virus and not know it and not have any developing symptoms. And so you could spread the virus to someone else and then they could catch the virus and they could get sick or they could die. Maybe you're afraid because you're homeschooling your kids or cyber schooling or trying to get them to do something during the day and you're worried because you are not a teacher and this whole year could be gone to pot because you can't figure out how to make church, excuse me, school work in your house over the internet. Maybe you're afraid because the kids are at home and you're working hard, but you're afraid your bosses will see you're distracted during the workday. And that when the next round of layoffs or furloughs comes around, they're gonna say, well, they can't navigate the home with the kids. A friend of mine here locally recently shared that his three-year-old son in quarantine uh, for five weeks, a little longer because he had a health issue, pulled his father aside to ask him, do I have any friends anymore? We do not know what tomorrow will bring. Maybe you can relate to the disciples and their shame and their guilt and their frustration. Maybe you're feeling ashamed because you didn't take the virus as seriously as you should have when the news first started going around and now you've had a repentant change of heart. Maybe you're feeling guilty because of your anxiety and it's getting to be, uh, it's boil over, it's starting to boil over and you're lashing out at the people that you're living with. Maybe you're frustrated because you're single and the loneliness is already compounded enough as it is but you were just about to get back out on the dating scene. And now all of your romantic aspirations have gone out the window. We do not know what tomorrow will bring. And all of this belies what the virus is truly teaching us. We are not in control. We are not in control. We do not know what tomorrow will bring. In fact, we have never known what tomorrow will bring. 
We cannot control how our neighbors respond to the virus. We do not have freedom of travel or movement. We do not have the same childcare options. We do not have the same relationships with our distant family. We do not have the job security that we had assumed. And to top it all off, we can't even figure out the day of our death. We do not know what tomorrow, friends, will bring. And so into our world and into this apartment filled with terrified disciples, with the doors locked and the tensions high and the anxiety through the roof, into that room and into our lives walk the recently executed rabbi, the one who claimed to be the savior of the world. The scars of his death are still there, but the heart that stopped beating is now once again at rhythm. And the lungs that had emptied of breath were now expanding and full again. And the brain that had ceased firing its synapses was electric once again. And the fingernails that had stopped growing before will soon need to be trimmed once again. If Jesus Christ's disciples felt exposed and out of control before, now Jesus is alive again. And they used to say you could only count on two permanent things, death and taxes, but for the first time in the history of humanity, we can say for certain now, it is just taxes. But the first words out of Jesus' mouth to these out of control, terrified, forlorn, despondent disciples who think they're seeing a ghost were this, peace be with you. Peace be with you. Who doesn't want a little peace in their out of control life right now? Who doesn't want a word of assurance that everything is going to turn out okay? Is there anyone here today who has their tomorrow figured out? Is there anyone here today who knows what they're doing next Sunday or the Sunday after? You can raise your hands in your car. That's okay, you're a liar and we all know it, right? But you know what, you're in church today and liars are welcome, so you're in the right place. Um, Friends, I'm here to proclaim to you from this hay wagon, from the local grocery store, that there is peace and comfort in our time of great upheaval. There is relief and there is serenity available to you if you want it. Here's how to get it. Are you listening? Turn your radios up, are you ready? Here is how you get that peace and serenity and relief and comfort. Focus your heart and your mind on Jesus' death and resurrection and become convinced of its objective reality. What am I talking about here? Well, I'm going to tell you to wave off. Don't worry about this sort of, um, he's risen in my heart stuff, right? Um, Don't bank your serenity or your peace on warm fuzzies. We're not enter- we are entering and are in a season right now where warm fuzzies are few and far between. We need something with a bigger anchor. And none of this, you know, Jesus is alive because his teachings are carried on through the memory of his uh, generations of disciples. Um, to quote the, the poet John Updike, um, he, who said this, and I say it to you, um, let's not mock God with metaphor, analogy, sidestepping transcendence and making the event a parable. And whatever you do, do not sing that song from the 1982 film adaption of the Broadway musical Annie Annie with Carol Burnett as Miss Hannigan. Your unrestrained optimism will not bring you comfort for long. Your only hope for peace and comfort in the age of Corona is that Jesus Christ was killed by the hands of expert Roman executioners and it didn't stick. (laughs) 
it didn't take. The Christian gospel, friends, is that Jesus Christ died and rose again. He has been given complete authority over all the world, and he is going to return and restore and fix and judge everything and set it back to how God intended it to be. And for those of us who can recognize our faults and our wrongs and ask God for forgiveness, we will find a well that is bottomless, uh, a well of forgiveness from heaven without bottom. Storehouses stored to the max. Forgiveness is available in plenty. There is no shortage. And for those of us who refuse to admit our faults, for those of us who refuse to admit how we have taken the world and messed it up apart from God's intent, we will find that the consequences of our actions are not just temporal, they are eternal. And so how can I stand up here today and promise you peace and comfort? Because if the Christian gospel is true, you do not need to fear death. Jesus Christ rose from the dead, and so will we. This is why later on in the New Testament, Paul, the Apostle Paul, St. Paul, will taunt and ridicule death. You can almost see him dancing in a circle around the grim reaper, saying, Hey, death, where's your sting now? Hey, death, where is your victory? Jesus beat you. You lose. If the Christian gospel is true, we do not need to fear death. And if the Christian gospel is true, you do not need to be anxious about tomorrow. Our incessant Googling and cable news watching is unnecessary. They can describe general trends, but they cannot tell you about your tomorrow. Don't be fooled. Your job security, your unemployment checks, your health, your small business loan applications, these are not in the hands of the federal government of the United States of America. They are in the hands of Jesus Christ. And all of the finances and the loan applications and the business pivots to come are done under his loving care and sovereignty. You do not need to be anxious about tomorrow. And if the Christian gospel is true, you do not need to worry about your family. If God so loved the world that he gave his only son to die and rise again, it means that God loves your family more than you do. God loves your family more than you do. He loves your distant grandchildren more than you do. He loves your vulnerable and aging parents in the Alzheimer's ward of the nursing home more than you do. And you can trust God that even when heavy and difficult things come your way, he will work it out for good. You do not need to fear for your families. No fear of death. No anxiety about tomorrow. No worry about your family. The very same God who took the worst thing in the history of the universe, the death and the execution of his son, and turned it into the best thing of the universe, the resurrection of the dead, this is the same God who is in charge of your life. And this is the same God who actually knows what tomorrow will bring. You may not be in control of your life. You do not know what tomorrow will bring. But God is and God does. Friends, that is the word of peace I give to you today. The S-U-N may not come out for some time. We may be in this odd place for a time to come. But the S-O-N will come out one day. And it's a promise that is sealed in God's forgiveness and in Christ's blood. As the old Gaither tune reminds us, because he lives, we can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. And because we know he holds the future, life is worth the living because he lives. 
Friends, Jesus' death and resurrection is true. Be wise, be smart. Love your neighbors, love your enemies too while you're at it. Wash your hands, stay at home. Do not be afraid, do not be anxious. Trust God and be at peace. Amen.